Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcast. Thrive Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit founded in 1970 as part of the Economic Opportunity Act to fight poverty. For the past 50 years, Thrive Virginia has supported the well-being of families to ensure that all area residents can reach their full potential and contribute to their communities. By maximizing the well-being of all, Thrive Virginia helps our communities thrive. Lynette Diaz is a community leader with 13 years of experience working with youth and families in both public and nonprofit environments, including a strong commitment to community action. She received her master's degree in public administration from Old Dominion University and has focused her studies on the issues related to poverty and family well-being. Lynette is a certified Bridges Out of Poverty trainer and currently serves as the director of economic empowerment for Thrive Virginia. She values and promotes cross-collaborative efforts that include both the lived experience and the professional knowledge of community residents and stakeholders. Lynette, welcome to River City Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to know a little bit more about your role with Thrive Virginia. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? I am the Director of Economic Empowerment with Thrive. I started at the agency in October. We started in really looking at where things have been with economic empowerment within the agency and had started to think about where we wanted to go. We were in a time of transition when I started. We're right at the time now where we're thinking about how economic empowerment impacts families altogether. We have a HUD certified counselor on staff, and then we also now have hired a Family Resource Center coordinator for our new Family Resource Center that we're opening in King and Queen County. I oversee that. I oversee the HUD grants. I oversee the grant funding from the United Way, and also now this Family Resource Center funding that we're receiving from Families Forward Virginia. That's actually really nice timing because you were able to come in and really figure out what was needed and where to go. You were able to help be a part of creation. Yeah, it was a good time to come in. We sort of did a repositioning of our theories about economic empowerment. And we've been looking at not just what we're providing to individuals, but what we're doing on a community level. For those who have not actually heard that term, can you explain a little bit more about what economic empowerment is? There are the traditional elements of it that I think most people think of when they think economics or economy in that we're looking at how we empower individuals to be financially literate or financially capable, how to understand income and spending and saving, understanding credit scores, understanding how to navigate systems like housing and also employment. We also, though, are looking at it from a community-level perspective, thinking about the localities that we serve at Thrive and how each are unique in their own economic opportunities. What is the availability of employment options, living wage options for families? What's the structure for navigating to get to work? What's the transportation system? Thinking about broadband internet and all of the resources that one would need in order to navigate employment and managing one's own household. So there's many different elements to it, but at the core of it, it's really to empower individuals to have financial capacity 
while also thinking about the community in which they live in and what the opportunities are. And the realities. The realities, for sure. And we're talking about primarily pretty rural areas, which is why it's a little different and there are more components. That's right. Involved, especially when it comes to transportation and Wi-Fi. And backing up even a little bit further for those that really aren't as aware, Thrive is really looking at overall wellness in families. And as anybody can identify with from people that are very much struggling financially or people that have a lot of money and find themselves in a tricky spot, the financial end of things is what causes so many health issues and divorce and violence. And I mean, it's just the root cause of so many things. So the fact that you are really there helping focus on that with these families is fabulous. There's an upstream vision that I know I'm seeing in the different sectors I've worked in of really looking at what economic stability actually means. It's complicated and it's complex and it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how you grew up, your knowledge of finances and what sort of influences you had in terms of your values and how you see money. It can be a very emotional thing. But then also, too, it's how you see yourself in terms of your role as a citizen in a community and how you navigate those resources. So it's very complex, but we're looking at it from a perspective that if families are socially connected to positive influences, and, and also develop and learn their own financial capability, then families are going to be healthier. And so, yeah, that link between economic stability and mobility with health is finally being uncovered. And I think you can't really separate the two. You can't. The elements of family well-being is one of your core responsibilities in this role. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? When looking at family well-being, traditionally, there's been a habit to really just look at one element of the family, maybe what is going on for the children. So maybe it's just looking at how are they doing in school or how are they doing with medical resources or child development in general. And now we're seeing is that there's a big kind of pullback and looking at the entire family as a health perspective. There are initiatives now, you may have heard of them, called the two-gen approach. So that's two generations at a time, the whole family approach. And that's something that we've been really focused on at Thrive. What it means is that you're not just looking at one member of the family. You're looking at the entire family system. So just as much as you're looking at what's going on for the child and their resources and needs and assets, you're also looking at the parents or the caregivers. So economic stability is a big part of that when it comes to looking at the heads of households and just trying to think about like, okay, what is the relationship between how healthy the parent is compared to healthy the children are. Otherwise, it's like you're looking at one little puzzle piece and trying to figure out what the puzzle is without any of the other pieces. Right. There's a lot of context. People say money doesn't mean anything. Your outlook on that is resources beyond financial assets. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? One of the frameworks that I've been a big part of is the Bridges Out of Poverty curriculum and framework. The idea with this is that there are other assets and other elements of resources for families beyond money. I think that's been a common go-to place when we think, how do we help families? Oh, let's just provide financial assistance. But there are other resources that can make a family healthy and well. We talked about physical health and well-being. We talked about uh, mental health. 
and cognitive well-being. But then there's also emotional health. So how well someone is able to navigate their feelings and emotions. There's also elements related to how you navigate the world in which you live in. So how, what are your resources with regard to language, for instance? How do you navigate job interviews? How do you speak? How do you learn about how other cultures speak and communicate? And how do you navigate when you're in your own bubble and then have to go into this world that's very complex? We also talk a lot about social capital. And that's a resource that I think some people don't realize is a resource. It's not just who you have in your support network. Families tend to do better when they have reliable childcare, and that may mean they have good family members or friends who can help out a lot. That's good social capital. But it also means bridging capital, which we identify as mentors or healthy relationships beyond the home. You have bonding capital with your family system, your core group of people. But then you have bridging capital with those who you meet out in the community who can be the bridge to you having well-being. So that could be a high school mentor. That could be somebody like a youth mentor. It could be a faith-based group. It could be someone who teaches you how to budget. It could be someone who helps you find a job. It could be many different things. And so we at Thrive I think we are really seeing ourselves as bridging capital for families. We really want to be that link between what families have identified they want in life, but are for some reason having a struggle to get. And so how do we help be that bridge? Yeah, I love it because you can try and find resources to give money to help somebody get through the month, but then there's just the next month That's right. and then the next month. And these are solutions for the rest of their lives that could be a game changer. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit more about the strengths and assets within families in comparison to those same traits within their communities. You refer to that as the continuum of family level dynamics to community opportunities. If we are looking at financial resources, again, that piece with regard to financial capability. So on the individual or family level, really looking at how well someone is able to manage their money and or understand assets. But then also, too, it's important to think about the community in which the family lives in. If you're in a very rural community and there's no public transportation and there's not much of an economy in terms of job growth, it's very, very difficult to make ends meet. You're going to be commuting over 30 minutes or you're going to be trying to figure out a work from home option, but then maybe there's no broadband internet that's reliable. Then also, too, we look at, you know, what are the opportunities for kids if there isn't a parks and rec system, for instance, or if there's no reliable, affordable childcare, if we don't have after school activities or programming, what then happens to children outside of school hours? We're looking at all of the things that are available within a community. And it's really important to understand that before we blame families or blame parents for maybe having struggles with regard to raising their children, we have to also think about, well, let's think about what opportunities there actually are outside of the home to help families stay 
healthy and well. And we're talking about some communities that don't have a lot of things we probably take for granted, even down to libraries and regular grocery stores. What are some of the solutions in communities that are that rural? We are really digging into understanding that by bringing in the members of the community who have the lived experience of these challenges. And I think what's important is if you're going to have solutions, you have to really look at reimagining engagement. It's not that systems or agencies or those with the ideas outside of the locality come in and decide like what's going to happen in that community. It's really important to transform engagement and have members of the community themselves be at the table and offer up the reality of what it's like. The biggest solution is to adopt the theory that it's nothing about us without us and realizing that system leaders need to listen and learn and not always just decide. Or judge. Or judge, yeah. That, I think, is number one. Really looking at understanding the history of a locality or or a culture and understanding things like Jim Crow laws and redlining and how families have been moved around in a way that they had no control over or power over. And that understanding, that shared research into how we got here, I think is the first step. And then it's about really thinking about how people aren't just what they need. There's a lot of assets within communities. Oftentimes, there's a lot of relationship building that happens that's natural and organic. And there's really good neighborly networks that are happening that are assets to a community. Those are those non-financial resources, right? That social capital piece is the first step in identifying solutions. Oftentimes, the resources are already there. You just have to pull it out and connect the dots for everyone. Right. And that can be challenging, too, depending on educational levels and things like that, is to be able to dig in and really kind of find out where those resources are. And I know you guys help a lot with that. We do. Obviously, Thrive Virginia is a nonprofit, and that means these things don't necessarily come cheap or easy to help and provide these resources. So with everything you are doing for the community, tell us how the community can give back to you and help your organization thrive and the people within it thrive. The call to action really is around leveraging the community residents' influence It may not be just with money. It could be with one's influence on policy. Really thinking about how to leverage that with the non-traditional power holders. I think it's important for agencies and systems to be a model for change and not be afraid of thinking outside of the box. And so for those who are not within those systems, but maybe are related in some way. It's about thinking about how to set up systems in a different way. And then really it starts with creating common ground. If there's an area or a blind spot that you as a community resident do not feel like you have a lot of information on, but want to have more information on, finding ways to educate yourself, but then also linking with organizations like ourselves to have community listening sessions, participating in community needs assessments, and really thinking about how to have good conversation in a way that's healthy. And then from those conversations, having small steps that lead to big change. And what about from a volunteer standpoint? Volunteers are essential in the sense that it's not just about the heavy lifting and the manpower that's needed sometimes to supplement the work that we do, but it's also a civic engagement element that's really important with community action agencies. We are 
really committed to the idea that we are not just deciding things for a community, that we are bringing in residents to determine what's good for them too. Part of that is volunteering and being a good steward to your community and thinking about ways in which you can give back. Time is a currency. It's another resource that I think we all wish we had more of. But sometimes when you invest that time, more things come out of it than you ever knew. Always. And for everyone listening, you can go to Thrive's website to learn more about the organization and about how you can help and services if you need them. It's www.thriveva.org. Lynette, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to River City Podcasts. If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com.